I saw Taylor made a uh, comment, though, which impressed me that he's actually listening, or I at know. least has listened to an episode. Well, or saw the post on the Facebook group. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. You're right. Never mind. I've, I've gone back to my, my, my previous state. <laughs> You've disabused me of my fanciful notions. Howdy, it's Tuesday, June 9th, 2020, and this is episode 127 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz Podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's good, Craig? I'm ready to talk not at all about coronavirus. This is the only time it will be mentioned on the episode. We'll see. I have to say that wasn't my smoothest opening, but it'll do. It's not worth doing it again. <laughs> Sticking with it. Because we don't really care about you, the listener. So anyway, what happened in 1927? <laughs> well... In searching for 1927, the one thing that kept coming up again and again was the burlesque nightclub at Ocean, which I've been to. That's right. It's good for blowing your eardrums out, according to you. And for some sort of burlesque show that was not really a show, but just It was people. just like strippers grinding on people, isn't that what yeah. you said? Which, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. One thing also about 1927 that just popped up in the Atlantic City Experience search that I do every week is that in 1927, there were twice as many illegal speakeasies in the United States as there were legal bars before Prohibition. That sounds probably sensible because I'd assume these speakeasies could not contain very many people. That's a good point. You kind of need more. So I don't know if, if Atlantic City's complete flaunting of the rules yes at <laughs> uh, that time led to a lot of tourism that led to a little bit of a construction boom but there were three hotels opened in 1927 all of them as you noted before the show very attractive looking buildings i think yes they were quite ugly although the lafayette i had to say i thought the picture looked pretty good but it was obviously from way after yeah 1927 yeah. when it had a very like 1960s sign on the outside and that's really what drew me to it yeah i love the 1960s sign i'll link to that picture if, mm. if I remember. Uh, so the Lafayette, the, the first one, located on South North Carolina Avenue at Pacific, inland from what is now Resorts, operated into the 80s, foreclosed in 1989, demolished in 1996, now a surface parking lot. So I believe last week, or whatever it was, now three weeks ago, we also talked about something that was demolished and is now a surface parking lot. That's Yeah, that was down near, near Albany, though, right? I think that we talked about a few yeah. weeks ago. So that's one hotel. The Beatles stayed there when they did a concert in the 60s. I think that's what the picture's from. The Columbus, located at St. James Place in Pacific. St. James Place, of course, famously the street that the Irish pub is on. That's right. Part of the Tennessee Avenue Loop, also an orange property. Not like North Carolina. That's a, that's a green, right? I have no idea. Yeah, sounds right. Green, I believe, is right. I should play more Monopoly. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> so the, the Columbus built by the Knights of Columbus, but I think they only owned it for a little while, operated as a hotel until 1969 when it was converted to a retirement home, which was still in use until 1985. It's still standing, but it is not in use. The windows are boarded up and mm -hmm. stuff. And then the last one, the Jefferson, located on Kentucky Avenue between the boardwalk and Pacific, straight inland from Bill's Euro Suvlaki. Mm, Can't be so that. Good. Yeah, so I, I actually, you know, Kentucky Avenue has a lot of history, and I didn't know where it was, so I decided to look it up on a Google Maps right before this episode, you know, because that was where, like, the big black culture thing in the 50s and 60s in Atlantic City was. But I was like, oh, that's not actually in a very good area now. <laughs> 
so the Jefferson closed sometime around 1986 or 1987. It's not entirely clear. Uh, mm-hmm. It was demolished in 2007, right around the same time as the Sands, along with several other buildings, to make way for Pinnacle Entertainment's Mega Resort. How's that Mega Resort doing, Kyle? Is that right? I mean, was the resort going to be that big? Because So that's like, it's what, a block away no. from the old Sands? It's like... From, from like the Brighton Park? It's pretty Two blocks? It's not that far. Far. All right. Let us go back to Google Maps. That is what the people demand of our podcast. You can make the editing magic happen, Craig. Park Place, Indiana, MLK, Kentucky. It's not okay. that far. It's a pretty big resort. That's like three city blocks wide. Yeah, I mean, who knows if it would actually have been that massive. I mean, there's probably plans posted somewhere from way before we were doing this podcast. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess it's no bigger than Caesars Plus Wild Wild West now. Yeah, because the empty lot, it's but the the Mount Mount Vernon's like not a real block, right? So I, I think I mean it's like it's really narrow. So I, I think it's like two full blocks. Yeah, yes, Mount Mount Vernon's not a real block. It's it's MLK is really has a full block on either side of it. So yeah, yeah it's like, like two it wouldn't blocks. be that much bigger than Bally's. No, it it's the size of like Caesar's Plus Wild Wild West, like I said, which is yeah, not exactly out of this world. It's like as big as Trop, I think. Trop is a pretty large casino my favorite property pinnacle entertainment's Indeed. unnamed thing so, so good so that's 1927 we nailed it no editing needed what's what's next i mean that's it it's what else do our people want i'll tell you what they want open containers on the boardwalk that's what we all want has been de facto legal for many times but is now actually de jure legal as well <laughs> <laughs> so in designated zones temporarily through November or when statewide restrictions on bars and restaurants are lifted, uh, whichever comes first. So only in the, one of the three zones that they've laid out, which is the boardwalk from the old Atlanta club to just past Revel, non-residential areas of Gardner's Basin, and on the Orange Loop. So New York Ave, Tennessee Ave, and St. James Place. And much like uh, if you've been to New Orleans, Bourbon Street, you have to have your beverages in a plastic container bearing the name or logo of the licensed seller within the open container zones. So it's not like Vegas where you can just walk around with a bottle of beer. It's more like New Orleans, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's interesting. I, I Obviously, it's something we've been clamoring for, for ever since we started this podcast. So Marty Small, mayor of Atlantic City for now, uh, made an executive order saying that this is allowed <laughs> immediately. And... I mean, obviously, the circumstances suck, and this is to help businesses right now. Ah, we're talking about coronavirus. Uh, so it's, <laughs> this is to help businesses right now who are struggling during coronavirus. But, um, I mean, to me, it's been really interesting as stuff starts to reopen because surrounding towns like Wildwood and Ocean City, have we've seen pictures of packed boardwalks and lots of people on the beaches, and Atlantic City has been pretty dead. So, <laughs> I mean, part of that, obviously... The main part of that is that it's a casino town and the casinos are closed. But I had thought before, like, it would be interesting to just drive down there and and walk around and see the boardwalk pretty empty. And you don't have to worry about social distancing and all that stuff because it wouldn't be a problem. And this gives people a reason to do that. Go grab a a drink and walk around on the boardwalk. Yeah. No, I I mean, I think it's a win for everyone involved. I mean, I think it's a good idea to get people outside. I think it's a sensible thing for Atlantic City to do to allow there to be open containers in these places. I think it's good for the person who's in Atlantic City. I mean, I don't think there's any losers, really. I mean, I guess there's people who are be like, ah, it's like going to be more unruly on the boardwalk and 
not family friendly, but it's <laughs> hogwash. <laughs> what I don't understand is like what they mean by restrictions on bars and restaurants are lifted because outdoor dining is going to be allowed starting on Monday in New Jersey. So that's not fully lifting the restrictions. Uh, the real question, if this really does go through November, when casinos are open, will you really be able to go gambling and then go walk out on the boardwalk, buy a drink, walk around with your, your cocktail as we really imagine it? Will there really be a time where you can get sort of a full Atlantic City experience with drinking on the boardwalk? I'm skeptical. I don't know why it wouldn't be. And like, frankly, if this ends up being popular, which I don't know, we'll see. I mean, I would imagine it will be, but there's always like weird local groups that hate their city and don't want it to do well so there could be a lot of complaining about it there does seem to be like almost universal support for this so hopefully it just goes forward and it's just one of those things where they're like oh yeah that never actually ended yes i'll say this will go on in perpetuity that'd be awesome i don't, I don't know if it will or not but <laughs> hot take there are people in the you know state senate who are trying to make that happen, but it just has never gone through. I mean, they've been trying for years, but I mean, my my thoughts on this have been pretty well fleshed out on the podcast throughout history. But there's there's just no reason not to do it. You want to be the world's playground, like you need to have open containers allowed. It's just made for it. Walk down the boardwalk with beer. Oh, it's amazing. I, with a big uh, frozen margarita. Yeah, just eating your wonderful slice of delicious Joe Rock Cafe. And- oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Joe Rock Cafe. <laughs> so Showboat, it is becoming a water park, which I, I know everyone's very excited for because we've both never heard any rumor about Showboat that has not turned out to be true, nor any rumor about water parks <laughs> that have not turned out to be true. So it seems like this is a sure bet that it will definitely happen. Right, Craig? I mean, maybe it's like a double negative. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so the construction's estimated $100 million. Our friend Bart Bladstein. He's just known for shelling out lots of money and not ever half-assing anything. Yeah, so he's seeking CRDA approval for a designation that it's an entertainment district so that he would get some tax breaks. I think it's like $2.5 million a year, up to $2.5 million a year in sales tax breaks. Sales tax breaks. And then there are other tax breaks for like construction and stuff like that. He says, this is going to happen. That's the quote. That is a man that you can take for his word. Uh, When you have to say, this is going to happen, not inspiring a ton of confidence. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that that is even necessary to be said shows you the state of his reputation, perhaps. And the state of water parks in Atlantic City. Yes. I'll link to the, the Wayne Perry article, the AP article, where he really like runs down the history of planned water parks. It's pretty interesting. We've talked about many of them yeah. in the past on the podcast. But uh, <laughs> they say they plan to break ground in August. But I don't know. I thought that we'd heard plans to break ground. What was it, like last summer on the casino next door to Showboat? And that never happened. So I don't yeah. know what the deal is. Yeah, box of slots. Yeah. Hey, Craig. Yes. Would you like to ride the polar coaster? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when was that going to break ground? Uh, I don't know. That was like episode two, though, I think. Yeah. So quite a while ago. 16. <laughs> Has not broken ground. Just, you know. So, Spo- so Spoiler. <laughs> are, we, are we betting on this? I mean, what kind of odds could you possibly have to bet uh, on construction of this starting any time in, I don't know, before episode 200 of this show? I feel like I always come up with the odds. So you come up with the odds. I will tell you which side I will take. 
I just can't. I mean, so he said break ground in August. I think that's ridiculous. Let's say break ground by the end of 2021. Like, what is break ground? Like, Glenn Straub broke ground technically on the Revel, sort of. Like, he built some rope sparks. Like, they were that's actually true. built, right? That's but, like, point. nothing ever came of it. So, like, tell me tell me when a water park's going to open, I think. Oh, boy. There's, it's never, man. It's not going to happen. Like, I can't put any odds on it. All right. Because All right. he's not going to do it. He's going to sell it. And who knows what somebody else is going to do. I'll give you the easiest dollar you've ever made in your life. I'll give you 10 to 1 odds on if there's a water park open by the end of 2021 in Showboat. Open by the end of 20 year, That's I don't know. How long is it supposed to take? I have no idea. They didn't say. Like, it can't take that long to build a water park, right? If it actually breaks ground in August, it'll be well before the end of 2021, right? Yeah, but none of it's going to happen, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. I just can't even imagine what number you... I mean, I hate being such a downer because, in theory, this is a great idea. Just take your free dollar, then. Okay. Why don't you say 2022 and at least give yourself some chance? All right. Sure. <laughs> For 2021, it should be like 100 to 1. All right. 2022. <laughs> At the end of 2022. Okay. All right. So I will get it to 10 sweet dollars. I'm going to forget about this because I'm not even I'm just going to... Oh, come on. Put it in our, our thing. You are the keeper of the bets. Okay. Fine. So while you're doing that, uh, listener guesses for the opening date, uh, you have been the keeper of the Google Forms as well as the keeper of our bet book. And you say we have had 65 guesses. Unfortunately, seven of them have already passed, seven more in the next week, which is not gonna, gonna happen. Seven more in the week after that. So I don't know. What kind of, what kind of guesses are, are there? I know you said that there was like five for July 2nd and five for July 4th. They were the two popular days or first and third or something like that, right? Yeah, first and third. Now there, I think there's seven for the first and eight for the third now. And I was really worried that we were going to potentially have If it was going to be the second, winners. have to send out 15 shirts. One person picked Pick the, the second. second. Finally. Oh, Very save late. Us. Yeah. And I didn't nudge them to do that. So that's, because I kept looking at it like somebody just picked the second. So the reason I said, you know, seven more in the next week, seven the week after that, it seems like none of the announcements are really happening less than two weeks in advance. So it seems like about two weeks is about the lead time. So I don't think anybody who's got a date before June 23rd has any hope at this point. There, are, there is a huge, huge cluster right around July 4th weekend. A lot of people said, like, they need to do it before the 4th of July. They need that weekend. Obviously, a lot of people thought that about Memorial Day, and that didn't happen. So it was interesting in the responses. Well, let's just I'll look at some of the numbers. You know, the... June 15th was actually one of the most popular dates picked, but like first, second, third, fourth is 20 of our 65 responses. So a four, a four day span makes up 20 of our 65 responses. So, and then if you take just the first through the 10th of July, it's like almost half of the responses. So early July was where everyone seemed to go. Uh, the earliest date that anyone said was May 27th. The latest was September 1st. So nobody went like completely insane and just said, I'm going to say, you know, May of 2021. <laughs> and if it goes Which, that far, I'll definitely I, win. <laughs> I would think that wouldn't be a terrible bet. Just kind of bidding the, well, I guess it's the opposite of bidding a dollar in prices, right? But just bidding like, you know, April, April 2021. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, or even you could have said, you know, February 2021 and just had that all to yourselves. But too late now. Submissions yeah. are closed. There was a lot of responses, a lot of the comments. I just put in a general comment field where people could say anything they want. 
and they did say anything they want. A uh, lot of like need my fix, a lot of ASAP, uh, go ahead and open up that kind of stuff. There was a lot of people saying that they thought that it would be in time for the 4th of July, but that they actually didn't think that that was a good idea, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. The more I think about it, the more I think it's going to be the week of July 4th, and they're just going to like unload a massive rush of people on Atlantic City, and it's going to be insane. But That, that sounds right to me, too. It, it could be the week before that as well, but... Yeah. So, I mean, that that gets right into the cluster of our guesses. We, If we crowdsourced the guess, our crowdsourcing was, was very accurate, I think. If, if I mean, obviously accurate. Nothing's happened yet. So some of the comments. Turning Stone in New York is opening on June 10th. I'll go two weeks later with a re week ramp up for the 4th. That's kind of what I was thinking. I didn't include Turning Stone. The only reason I included this quote was because we had a listener, or I don't know if it's a listener, somebody on our website who's commented multiple times about shoving resort fees up our asses yes. and now they're going to go in turning stone to turning stone new york instead indeed turning so, stone any mention of turning stone i have to include oh i love it i was there when i was 18 anyone any casino that lets 18 year olds in is a casino that i love <laughs> especially when i'm 18 yeah <laughs> that's a good point so you like harris a lot uh, i mean that's more like <laughs> 15 15 or something as far as i can tell do you want to read the next comment <laughs> so friend of the podcast taylor yeah kind of friend of the podcast i'd like to make the following qualifications of my date first i want to be changed to whatever date will make kyle the most disgruntled second i reserve the right to revise my date at any time third what is this podcast fourth is there cash value alternative to the shirt love taylor uh yeah there's cash value alternative i'll give you a quarter if you want instead of your shirt that'll be fine but we have a glut of shirts and uh, not many people are buying them so so what happens if we get like eight winners will you really send out eight shirts or are we gonna just do a random number generator and pick a winner I don't know. I think it's still unclear. I think uh, if it's one of the days with eight, that's a lot of shirts to send out. Yeah. We didn't make any rules here, really. No. I have to do what's right for the people. You know, we don't want to be like the Ocean Casino Resorts of podcasts and uh, A, screw over our listener base, but then B, also become wildly successful thereafter. <laughs> so that's not we don't want, want that. That's absolutely not what we want. So <laughs> we'll, we'll try to avoid that. Uh, and then the last comment, my favorite comment, you guys make an okay podcast, just okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's better than making a shitty podcast. Yeah. I can respect that. I mean, I don't There's nothing wrong with being okay, man. disagree. <laughs> I mean, I will say we, we've talked many times about how we're not really out to make the biggest podcast in the world. So yeah, I mean, it, our podcast is not for everyone and I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Glad you find it okay just okay do for a refund yeah <laughs> was that also just okay maybe it's the same person maybe it was something like that which like with the title of do for a refund you would think yeah. it would be more negative it's like, but good it's not like, great or something like that yeah yes 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 i think that was the comment was or, or the the subject was good not great and is one star write a review and help people find the show or whatever it is. oh yes that is i yeah. i've forgotten for 123 episodes but it is our you know, god-sworn duty as podcasters to say when you write a review it really helps other people find us <laughs> please get, log into itunes and give us five stars nobody ever writes reviews because we don't ask for it yeah, honestly probably. we get no reviews ever we we really don't have a lot of reviews i don't think we've had a review in eight, like months yeah i don't care and that was, friend, that was a friend of mine who I don't think listens to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. S save your time. Do something fun instead. Don't do that shit. Interesting strategy. Let's see if it pays off. <laughs> Should we talk non-coronavirus mailbag? Yes. This will be a much more fun mailbag. Than Indeed. Mailbag. 
Should we save Megan K to the end to make her wait as long as possible? <laughs> save her for next week? No, no. As far as I can tell, all proper procedures were followed. It was not posted in the Everything AC Facebook group. We can we can jump into it first. How did you guys become friends? And when did you first bond over AC gambling? Not sure if this has been covered on the pod before. And I want my bonus points for a non-corona question. So, Megan Kay, um, we became friends in college because my best friend at the time and I decided to get a divorce after living together for the first two <laughs> years of college. Decided it was just not working because I was a math major and all my classes were on one side of campus and he was an English major and all his classes were on the other side of campus. The good side of campus. So, uh, no, not the good side of campus. So he decided to live closer to you know, all his classes, and I decided to live closer to all my classes. And uh, so when he moved out, he moved into a room with Mr. Craig Stone, and that is where we met. So, yeah, my my other friend Craig, ironically, moved in with you, and that's how we met. That's it. It's the whole story. Well, how did we yeah. bond over gambling, though? Like, when did that become a thing? That's, it's so... I don't know. It's something that you probably know better because obviously gambling has been kind of a big part of my life for quite a while. I think it's more interesting to like what made you initially want to go to Atlantic City at all? I don't know. And like I'd had chances to go before and had never gone. And Uh then I so I moved to New York and I had never gone when I lived in Maryland. So like you guys had gone. I don't know if you even invited me or not, but I had never gone with you guys to Atlantic City. I'm sure like Craig must have invited me at some point and I didn't go. And when I moved to New York, I think it was like sort of I was interested in in checking it out, but also it was an in between place. And and I remember saying to another friend of ours that also lived with me and other Craig that like I could totally see myself going to Atlantic City once and thinking like eh, I never need to do that again. And clearly that is not at all what happened. So yeah, it just became sort of this meeting place. We've said this on the podcast a bunch of times. Like this is the equidistant sort of place, not totally equidistant, but. It's it's a an easy meeting spot between the two of us, and it's also I got totally sucked into Atlantic City and just completely loved it the first time I went, even though the gambling was a complete disaster. Uh, and we just started talking about it like nonstop. I feel like almost immediately after that first trip, it was like all we talked about on yeah Google whatever at the time. Gchat. And we used to we used to talk a lot on on Gchat back in the old days before my job was a zoo, and you know I would actually talk in chats. yeah now i just have to like gchat or other friends stuff about atlantic city and they're like i don't care greg i don't want to yeah. hear about this i don't want to hear still about on, the show are you still on gchat a lot despite you oh, know yeah. doing childcare and uh yeah i guess i'm and... I guess i'm gchatting less and more of all my gchats are complaints about how my kids are bothering me while i'm trying to do work uh, once you go back to work probably you'll be back in the swing of things who knows when that will ever even happen do you do you think class will be open in the fall for you i don't think we'll be like fully face-to-face to start i think it'll be like some sort of hybrid scenario but we'll see that's a little surprising to me given that new york's actually doing quite well now and that there's probably because it was so bad for for a while there's some level of herd immunity but we're talking about coronavirus and and that's not what we're supposed to be doing uh so one thing i do want to mention because we've looked back many times at our like gchat conversations from all all the way back then because gchat will save them is Mm -hmm. i remember thinking like you mean Google Buzz? Yeah, is that what it's called? That's what it was, I think. That's what what it's saved as back in the old old days. Uh, that, that it was going to be, you know, like a hundred bucks a night or something, and that that would be a really good deal to stay at Caesar's, you know, flagship Caesar's Entertainment property, in, or at that time Harris Entertainment property in Atlantic City. 
Was this something I was saying too, or was that just you? Because no, that was something I was thinking oh, in my okay, mind, not okay. knowing what to expect. And then at one point, you messaged me like, "Yeah, so it's me, you, and Taylor. We got two nights. It's going to be something was stupid, like fifteen bucks each total." And I was just like blown away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so the best before the first trip is I, I remember specifically Craig is like, "So, what's the dress code in the casinos?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> it's like, yeah. "What's the dress code?" And I'm like. You probably have to wear pants. I don't know. Yeah. Like, not no pants. Wear wear a shirt. Yeah. And if you've ever Literally seen Kyle in a casino, you know that, you know. Yeah. I was asking the wrong person for one thing. Or maybe yeah. I was asking the right person because you yeah. know that you can. I just love that you thought that there was a dress code. Like, it's Monaco or, or something. Yeah. Monte Carlo, I mean, or, or something. Yeah, it should be. Uh, should should be jacket required like Monte Carlo. Yeah. It's the it's the Monaco of the Atlantic or something. <laughs> That's, that's what they call Atlantic City, yeah. yes. yes. <laughs> Next question, Tom L., who actually I think had a question, a couple questions in the last episode, too. How do your significant others feel about you doing an AC podcast? I imagine there's a lot of eye-rolling. That sounds about right. My wife personally doesn't really care either way. I mean, she used to listen a decent bit, but as far as I know, she doesn't anymore, so... Yeah, I don't know. She just I roll basically. I think I roll is a good emoji to describe how she feels about it. I don't. I think she, my wife thinks it's like interesting that I do it and that I put so much time and effort into it. I think she more eye rolls the fact that like I just want to go to Atlantic City all the time. Mm. Any chance I have to get a weekend away from the kids, I want to go to Atlantic City and I want to talk about Atlantic City and that kind of stuff. So that's probably more the eye rolling. But I guess that's related to having a podcast. Yeah. So his second question is, can you recap your best and worst gambling trip or session if it's easier? I'm not sure I can remember my worst gambling session. I mean, my best was when I hit the Royal Progressive at the alleys <laughs> for $2,600. That's pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, my my worst gambling trip certainly was my last one. I mean, I, I think we Oof. we talked about it, but it was it was a just disaster from pillar to post. I mean, from start to finish, it was it was bad. I lost everything. Uh, best probably is when I went to MGM National Harbor to meet Dr. Bike, and he was playing at a $50 craps table, which is like more than i'm really comfortable with playing craps for you know because when it's 50 dollars and you're talking about what like 250 and odds behind or whatever and you know very expensive six and eights but uh it, it, it turned out to be quite a good thing that he was playing at a 50 dollar table because the first two rollers of which i was one of them like both had monstrous rolls so i left that table up something like 2500 or something like that and that is definitely i think by a pretty wide margin my biggest win so I'll say one interesting thing about losing trips. I don't find them all that memorable. I feel like my biggest losing trips are just trips where there's no like one single big loss. It's just like everything you sit at, down at, you lose. Yeah. And that's how my last trip was. Yeah. And so you're just like losing, losing, losing. And then at the end of the trip, you're like, oh, check your whatever cash you have left. And you're like, oh, that was, that was a lot. <laughs> so it's weird because I don't really have any experiences where I just remember thinking like, oh, I'm just getting destroyed at this table or, any, or anything like that. Except my very first trip with you and Taylor. Yeah, we all three got slaughtered the first day. Yeah, we were playing like four card poker, three card poker and, and blackjack. I don't understand how you can lose at those two games. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> So I think I was down like 300 bucks the first night, which is hilarious in retrospect. Um, right. But because at the time I was thinking like, oh, we really gambled just like the entire time. And I, and I really remember thinking like I was just getting absolutely killed, which, yeah. you know, 
Again, yeah, even for me, it was like, I was probably down like $500 the first night. And for me, I was like, that was, that was a lot back then. It was interesting because it felt really awful because I was just like, I can't believe that this is even possible. Like, why does anybody go to a casino if this is the way it is? Yeah. <laughs> right? Or if this is even like a thing that can happen. But actually, I've said this, I think, before on the podcast, like, I, I think it was really good for me in the long run to see, even at really low limits, how bad it can go mm-hmm. and how quickly it can go bad, especially in something like Blackjack. So having understanding sort of the reality of it, I think, was a good thing. And then I did play some Go poker, I think, right before I left and, like, rebounded by 150 bucks or something. And, of course, then I felt great. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. I think we all came back a little bit from from after that first night, which definitely helped a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what would have happened. Like, what would happen if I just had another day, like the first day, and then just left feeling like, well, that sucked. Like, I just lost a ton of money. I mean, I had fun doing all the other stuff despite the losing, but, uh-huh. you know, I, th- I was, what, 25 or 26 at that point. And yeah, it was like 2010 that we went, so that sounds right. Yeah, like that felt like more significant than it does now. Yeah. I I mean, I know when I say I lost like $500 in that first night, that was probably to that point, like one of the worst, maybe the worst day I've had in my life because it wasn't too long before that. I mean, when I, when I first started going to Atlantic City, I bring $300 with me for the whole trip, like period. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure I brought 300 bucks and I, yeah, I think I like lost it all. And and I think that's the only time I've ever gone to an ATM on a trip and then like went right back to a blackjack table and then lost like another hundred dollars immediately. And I was like, Oh my God, this is horrible. And like, I remember just the dealer's face when I left the second time, just like somebody looking at like a sad puppy dog and just like, Uh Oh man, I feel so bad for you. Cause I probably looked like I was 12. But, uh, yeah, you said the worst day of your life. You mean like the worst day of your life, not just like your worst day of your gambling life. Worst day of my gambling life. (laughs) No. Yeah, not not the worst day of my life. But Still to this day. It really wasn't wasn't long before that. Like when I was twenty one, twenty two, I, I would bring three hundred dollars for the entire trip and that was what I would gamble. And there were many trips when I was that young that, you know, I'd kinda like blow it all in the first like eighteen hours there or whatever, and then have eighteen more hours of walking the boardwalk or whatever. <laughs> so Yeah. But uh, I always still had fun doing that. But I, I was always very good with like when I was done, I was done back in the old old days that's less i'm less good at that now i think oh man i wish i could remember who posted this on twitter i don't think i think vegas fanboy responded but our travel fanboy responded but i don't think he was originally posted it but said something like i almost miss the feeling of being like 22 23 years old and only going with 200 to 300 bucks and it just meant so much like every table you sat down on when you had ten dollar again just meant so so much and you just knew that you might have that situation where you know after night one you're just wandering around the strip and you like, can't gamble anymore. And so like I do sort of almost romanticize that in my mind, but I'm sure I'm much happier now going. And yeah, just yeah, no, like, it's, it is better now. Yeah. But there, there is something that was or, you know, famously when we went to our buddy's bachelor party in Vegas and that was to that point in my life, like by a wide margin, the worst trip of my life. Certainly the first time I lost four digits on a gambling trip, but I, I brought a certain amount of money, which I thought was going to be way more than enough. And then I, I kind of ran out of money and like, you know, I'd walk to, uh, back then it was just like one of those things that as a Bank of America customer, I'm like, I'm not going to pay like $5 for an ATM, like whatever. I'll just walk somewhere and go to a Bank of America ATM. And the one was on like the, you know, in the M&M store on the uh. strip. I don't know <laughs> if you remember where that is kind of down yeah. past Planet Hollywood or whatever, like between there and MGM where there's kind of like a black hole of casinos. But, uh, yeah, so I went there, took out some money, like lost all that. And then like 
while we were at Hard Rock, there was uh, Bank of America on the other side of the UNLV campus, which for those of you who don't know, UNLV is like kind of right across the street from from Hard Rock. So I walked through UNLV's campus and went to like an actual bank and got more money out. So it was kind of like cute and naive back then. Like when I think about that, like <laughs> me trying to save like the five dollars on ATM fees. Yeah. I don't know. Simpler times, man. I'm still like, I'll never pay that $5 fee. And it's like, that's idiotic. Oh. Like, what difference? <laughs> I get, I get my, my fees reimbursed. Yeah. So yeah. Our friend Andy loves to get the pay, the pay the highest fee possible. He's like, stick it to the <laughs> bank. Uh, anyways, Phil J via email asked if one host, Oh, this is, I love this question, by the way. If one host discusses a restaurant, I've never heard of. And while talking, the other host refers to it as your favorite. What are the chances it's a good restaurant? Uh, so it depends on how much your tastes really align with the other host. I mean, it's obviously, I think, the first host is making fun of the second host when he says that. So, <laughs> yes, I think your host does not believe that it's good in that case. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Depends on your taste. Certainly, your host doesn't think it's a good restaurant if he says that. That's That's my opinion. Yeah, so like we talked about Chickies and Pete's in the last mailbag, where mm -hmm. I actually really do think Chickies and Pete's is very good. And you would yep. certainly say if Chickies and Pete's came up, you would say your favorite. I'd be like, oh, it's say. your favorite. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Or Irish Pub, certainly. Like I think Irish Pub is excellent. Oh my value. god, I love Irish Pub is like the legitimately worst food in the entire okay. world. It's no, it's the most generic, totally neutral food in the entire no, universe, it's, and it's, it costs it's like bad. a nickel. It it is incredibly cheap, Beautiful. but it is also very bad. I love Irish Pub. I miss it. Oh, if you miss it so much, you should stay there. That's a good point. Well, like, I would also say, like, Joe Rock Cafe is your favorite, right? So it probably is uh, means that it's it's not. Yeah. High, certainly not duly recommended by the hosts of Do For A Win, and probably no. is is not actually recommended. Uh, <laughs> Do, for a win, Do For A Win recommends Joe Rock Cafe if you hate your life. Yeah. And then the other part of the question, if a person unknown to the listener who is not Carl Icahn is referred to as either a friend or... A good friend or a friend of the show, should the listener assume that you actually like that person? I think if it's a friend or a good friend, you can assume, yes, friend of the show. Obviously, we've been kind of making fun of it the last few weeks because we've seen this question in the hopper. But uh, it depends. It depends. Some people, I think, like, let's say Eric Rosenthal or Dr. Dave, like they are friends of the show. And some other people that we say are friends of the show, like Bart Blatstein or, you know, whoever, like probably aren't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's anybody who is... If it's someone you haven't heard of and we say they're a friend of the show, I think you can assume we probably like them. You you as a fairly knowledgeable Atlantic City, you know, listener. Yeah, I mean, if it's somebody you haven't heard of, but they're also somebody who's, you know, developing property in Atlantic City. Or not developing property in Atlantic City in the case of Bart Bloodstein. <laughs> yes. Friend of the show, Bart Bloodstein. Yeah, certainly being facetious. <laughs> Purchasing and not developing property. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I admit that, that that can be difficult when you, it's hard to figure out when to take us literally and not literally in that situation. But I think probably if it's someone who is not in a position uh, where they own things in Atlantic City or could own things in Atlantic City, <laughs> and it's not somebody that you've heard of, like, you know, Gary Luffman or oh, a, a former CEO. What a, of, of what, a, what a name. I haven't heard that name in, in a long time. The Love Man. A MBA teacher's hero, Gary Loveman. Yeah. He was proudly mentioned in maybe more oh. than one, definitely one. He was, maybe he was definitely mentioned in like three of my classes as like, this guy is all of our heroes, went from being a business school professor to 
running a wildly successful company until it went in the shitter. Hey, if you only focus on the case study of total rewards as a rewards program, he was absolutely a genius. If you look at anything else he did, eh, questionable. Friend of the show, Gary Lovin. I wonder what he's doing. I bet yeah. if we tried, we could actually get him on the show. I don't think he's got too much going on. <laughs> Who knows? He's probably like consulting. I'm sure. I'm sure he's consulting for yeah, like five hundred dollars an hour or something. So maybe he would not be on the show. Yeah, perhaps not. One last question. What do we got? Uh, friend of the show, Justin W says via Facebook. <laughs> absolutely, friend of the show, Justin W. Uh, absolutely, we would he never would never say our podcast is just okay. That's for no. sure. Yeah, super fan, Justin W. The only person he'd say is just okay is Megan K. But, uh. <laughs> so what? Justin asks, top five list in no order of things you miss in Atlantic City that no longer exist, like the Dizzy Dolphin. I don't know, Craig. What are, what are some things that you, you miss that aren't, aren't there anymore? So I don't think I ever actually, like, sat and had a drink at the Dizzy Dolphin. I don't actually think I did either. And for as much as I love the Hilton, which, by the way, I think is probably my number one. But, uh. Yeah, same. Former Atlantic Club, Hilton. Yeah. Yes, the Atlantic Club. Everything about it. Mm, especially that, just the cafe up on the second floor. I mean, I, I never got, I never went until it was like way past its prime, right? It was already the ACH, I think, by the time, first time I went. And, yeah, it's not not as good. But. And I, But I remember even, I think I was just like sitting there with my wife at, at that cafe and just like looking at the big marble arch things that were, you know, had the hint of wind design because it was originally the golden nugget and designed by wind. And just thinking like, you can tell that this was so nice when it opened and like wouldn't take that much to restore it. And it never happened. I also have on my list, the showboat Asian gaming room with the coldest course <laughs> light, the coldest course light and the, and the secret bathroom. I loved the sort of like hidden noodle shop there. Yeah. I thought that was super cool. I never ate there, but I just loved no. the concept. Walked through it many times to get to the secret bathroom. <laughs> The showboat casino, like, I really wish I had, I sort of, like, scoffed at the showboat because it was always, like, the cheapest of the Caesars properties when uh-huh. when we were going and it was still open. Well, frankly, I think a lot of times, Harrah's was also very cheap. Yeah. Caesars and Bally's used to be a bit more expensive, I think. But yeah, showboat and Harrah's were definitely the cheap properties. Yeah, and we finally started staying there with, like, six months left before showboat closed. Yeah. And, like, we really loved it. The sort of brightness of the casino floor, the layout and everything, I just thought was great. And the rooms were actually surprisingly good. Yeah, it had sealed the deal slots. Um, And there's just like little things about it that I really liked that I thought were sort of overlooked. Um, So I miss Showboat, certainly. And specifically, I'll say the Asian gaming room. And do you have anything else? I mean, we're only at two things here. I don't know what used to be there that was really great that's not there anymore. The Irish restaurant at the pier shops. The, that is that is a good one. The Trinity yeah, was was, was very good. We used to go there every trip. Yeah, get we the went. hot sandwich special. Amazing. Oh, it was good. Despite it being a running punchline for the first 30 episodes of the show, at least, uh, I really enjoyed when Saka Subs was in uh, Harrah's. Though I guess it's in Bally's now and I never go anymore, so maybe not. I never walk through that, like down that hallway towards Claridge or whatever, so. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say really the whole pier shops when they were not uh, all closed. Like that was pretty nice at, at the time. Fat Burger. Oh, Fat Burger. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh the place that I always declare I could never eat at sober because it would just ruin it for myself. Both both in Vegas and in AC. Oh, man. Oh, I was so drunk that night in Vegas when we were playing Kings and the Little Men at the table. And just getting like, laughed at by the... By the yeah, everyone that walked in thought it was great because there was just like huge piles of dollar bills on our table. <laughs> <playing> Kings <laughs> and the Little Men. Yeah, it's like the nerdiest, Which, nerdiest dorks you've ever seen. 
for those who don't know, is just an absolutely terrible poker game, and you should not play it. But it's really fun when you're incredibly drunk and just want to gamble on pure luck. So I think I think we've got four. Atlantic Club, Showboardation Room, Irish Restaurant at the Pier Shops, Fat, Fat Burger. Burger. Do you have another one? Um, I have one that's my number two behind the Atlantic Club. All right, go go for it. The animatronics at the Wild Wild West. Oh God, that's 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 no no. Can I can I sway you on at least the fully realized all the tables, the cheap tables at the Wild Wild West that stretched all the way around the back to like the Kino room and stuff. That was good. That was good when it went yeah all the way back to like near the Virginia City buffet. And the like the video poker dedicated video poker room. Oh, so good. That was good. I think my very first trip I sat in just like a seat by the Kino room just thinking like, man, I'm losing a lot of money. This sucks. And I was probably down like <laughs> 150 bucks at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Just contemplating your life and yeah. what all the wrong turns you took to get to this point. Yeah. Right I also now. played a lot of damn Lumberjack Beavers at the Wild Old West. Indeed. I miss damn Lumberjack Beavers. I mean, I personally would say the animatronics, but I'm willing to make it more general and say the like full Wild Old West casino that used to be there. And then honorable mention for Serial Town, which I never actually went to. <laughs> I used to go to the Starbucks and the beer shops a lot. Oh, yeah. That sucked gotta... when that closed. Just an amazing view. Didn't open until 11 a.m., which made no sense at all. It, it was the worst Starbucks in the entire country, I'm sure. But I would still go there quite a lot. Yeah. And, you know, get a little caffeine to put some pep in my step. I feel like I would always end up there, like, right before I went to the bus. Mm -hmm. It's no Starbucks and shitter in the uh, Trump Plaza, but, That's you know. where I used to go right when I got off the bus, because that <laughs> used to be the first bus route you could get in the morning. And so I'd just go to Trump Plaza, get there at, like, 9 in the morning and go straight to Starbucks. What about the top five list of things you'd like to see go away, which was the second part of the question? Five things that can fuck right off. What do you got? Friend of the show, Bart Blatstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, we already got one asshole out of town when uh, Straub left, so. <laughs> wow. I don't think Bart Blatstein is nearly as racist or likely to get arrested for trying to extort an ex-girlfriend or whatever yeah glenn Straub's had some troubles since he left atlantic city <laughs> uh this is a tough one because there's not you know there's not that many things that i'm just like really strongly dislike i have a note here specifically saying kyle don't say chickies and beets oh uh, no, i don't <laughs> i mean i think it's funny that you love it so much but i don't need to see it go away other than it would be funny to see how sad you were about it uh, one thing that really bothers me, and this is kind of a cop-out, is like the midweek and winter parking fees on the boardwalk that are like 25 bucks a day. Like, that's insane. Get rid of that. You don't need that. I mean, I think usually in winter it's – there's like resorts and trop at least always, almost always have free parking in winter. Yeah, Caesars though, it's always like 25 bucks on the weekend. It's nuts. It's dumb. I mean, I've I've pretty much been diamond for – a while now so yeah. i mean you can also gamble for like 15 minutes and it's and they you get right parking. and like yes get getting a parking voucher from caesars is very easy you yeah. need like 10 tier credits or something so william hill video poker bar at ocean i love video poker bars it's the worst one it sucks i just don't like it the traps video poker bar does not seem very good either the 10 north lounge whatever the one is that's kind of near the uh the table game area yeah, I don't know. Justin S. said that he liked it okay. I've never been, so I can't can't say anything. I can't really? say it has to be removed. The William Hill bar, though, just like crappy video poker, crappy service, smoky is all get out. Like, 
Mm, not great. The West Tower drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, so what do we got here? The really sh- shitty room I stayed in in the Ocean Tower at Caesar's last row. <laughs> yeah. The the Forum Tower. At C- I mean, there's a lot of things that, that aren't very good. Yeah. Cafe Roma at Caesar's. I've been a couple times. It's been really not good both times. <laughs> Joe Rock Cafe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Joe Rock Cafe. Good point. Only, only went once when I was incredibly drunk. And even then I was like, this slice of pizza is not very good. I, I don't think know why I paid like $8 for the shit. <laughs> if you could get rid of like 80% of the head chops on the boardwalk, I think that yeah. would be great. I mean, as long as something would go in their place. Things not to get rid of, though, certainly when you're like walking down the boardwalk and it's empty at like three in the morning and you're like some one of the like random guys who push the carts like walks next to you and is like, come on, man, why don't you just like go to stilettos for like three minutes and say that I brought you so I get paid and then you can just leave. Like, I think that's great. That needs to stay. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) So good. So good. Yeah. Like, look, you don't even have to stay. Just walk in the door and then walk right back out. <laughs> have we hit five? <laughs> you know what? Something controversial opinion. Very popular, but I could totally take it or leave it. And actually, it would be fine if it was gone. All the beach bars. And really, it's not that the I've, beach... I've never been, so... So know. I've never been either. It's not the beach bars specifically that I don't like. It's that you can't get away from them. So if you actually want to be on the beach, there is always, like, pounding base anywhere you are at on the beach because of the beach bars in season... Never- I've never been to the beach in a yeah, city, so I'm I wouldn't far know. Apart. Literally never stepped foot on the sand, I don't think. Unbelievable. You call yourself an Atlantic City podcaster. I've looked out over it from Suzai. And that's really as close as you need to be. Yeah. Are we out of questions? Oh, something that I'd like to see go away. Landshark Bar and Grill. Absolutely awful. Like one of the worst places I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> Doesn't need to be there. No qualifiers undisputedly just just terrible food hey you can get to go from there right now it is open or so i'm told so you can go get your to-go booze get some nachos or whatever some chicken tenders harry's is very good though though the last couple times i've been there's been pretty big service problems at the beginning of the service but i don't know what's up with that yep all right i think we've shit on enough stuff at atlantic city yeah that's not what we're here to do we're here to close out the podcast <laughs> So if you'd like to reach out to us or any of our other listeners, you can do so at a Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Go to do for win.com and buy our shirts. We have so many shirts. Please buy them. It makes me sad every time I look and see how many shirts we have. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't anymore after like 12 people win the contest, I'm sure. That's a good point. Find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, but not YouTube because Craig hates you. You can reach out to Craig on Twitter at do for a win or me at Kyle Askin and send Craig some questions to do for win at gmail.com. Even if it is not a mailbag episode, we like to answer your mail because it gives us something to do and there's not a whole lot of news right now. Yeah. And be sure to write, write a review on us. Yes. Rate us five stars, not one star. One star is bad, but five stars. That is good. I, I give you permission in lieu of sending your next Patreon payment. You may write a five star review instead. I think, I think that's a good idea. Boardwalk Empire, yeah. Drama. Episode 8. Well, drama there was, for there us. Drama before the episode, yes, because it is no longer free on Amazon Prime. So I declared I just didn't want to do it anymore. But you said hero of the podcast, Mark Duvall, is still watching it and expects us to also watch it. I think that's right. So instead, you sent me a link to a website, which tried to give my computer cancer, judging by the 12 things it tried to download. That was were... a totally legitimate website. Undoubtedly viruses. Can't say the name of the website on the podcast, but it was totally legitimate, I assure everyone.
I just love it when it's pop-ups and it's like, you're supposed to download like 12 files. There's like weird pop-ups that are like, whatever you do, don't click cancel. Please click okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know that the site is legit. Anyway, we did manage to watch this episode of Boardwalk Empire. So the major plot, Naki goes to Chicago to go to the Republican National Convention to pick a president in the election in 1920. And uh, while he's there, his brother is running the city. And, you know, as his things, these things happen with his brother, you know, gets into trouble, get, ends up getting shot, uh, trying to pick up the money from the casino. So Nucky has to turn tail and, and go back to Atlantic City. But before he does, reaches out to Jimmy, tells Jimmy he wants him to come back. But I don't know. I think that's the major plot points. Uh, did I miss anything? No. Seems like Jimmy's coming back, which we said, I said last, last episode, like I, the record is going to happen in like season two. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, well, I didn't know. I really wasn't sure if he was going to come back as friend of Nucky or as rival of Nucky. So it seems like it's going toward friend of Nucky. Uh huh. Any other notes about interesting things in the episode? I don't have really any other. Oh, really? plot points, but I have some Oh, I've got some interesting notes, but you you can go ahead. Let's read your notes first and and see what you've got. Shooter McGavin was in it. Uh, Absolutely, as the handler for Warren G. Harding. So good. Ends up making a deal with Nucky about, like, you know, if the two top two candidates end up splitting votes and it gets down to everybody being tired and just wants to pick somebody, they'll pick Harding, and Nucky says that he will get New Jersey on their side for that, which seemed like very... I will say that this was as a, you know, sort of as someone who kind of like vaguely knows about history. It seems like this checked all of the major check boxes that what people say Warren G. Harding was like, like a he was not the brightest guy in the whole world. (laughs) B, he had like a lot of problems with affairs, like he had a lot of women that he was sleeping with, like C, like the thing he's probably the most famous for in the world or his like love letters to his lovers, which one I read during the episode. Like, just if you don't know, like, well, he ended up dying in office, like his wife said he was going to. But uh, shortly after he died, like, he he's pretty much considered one of the worst presidents in American history because, like, all his cabinet members, because he basically couldn't provide oversight because he wasn't that bright of a guy, allegedly, were all horrifically corrupt and did a lot of, like, very corrupt things while he was in office. So it was it was an excellent representation of Warren G. Harding by Boardwalk Bar. Yeah. Uh, one funny thing, this sort of like backroom political deal between Shooter McGavin and Nucky happening in front of the giant American flag. Yes. About as subtle as a kick in the teeth, as Nucky said previously in the episode. This is America corrupt politics. Anyways, shooting Nucky's brother, probably not going to go real well for the upstart AC gang. That's my thought. No, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Especially now that, that Jimmy's back in town. Jimmy... Not even nice Jimmy, but very mean Jimmy now. Murdering Jimmy with his sniper friend. Yes. Probably not going to go well for them. I think your prediction about Doyle not being long for this world, absolutely Uh, correct. Don't think it's going to go well for him in in specific. Finn Alden sent the money back to uh, Oh, that, I think... That was the number one best part of the episode when Van Alden is like, I cannot have this money because my wife is just nagging me too much about getting the surgery. (laughs) I have to send it to Jimmy's wife. That was interesting. So good. Like the best thing that has happened on the show to this point. (laughs) Yeah, kind of weird. Van Alden, just a very complex and weird, weird person. What a man. 
Uh, oh, the, so the episode ends with Margaret opening the ledger while Nucky's away and, and noticing all the gambling and booze things happening. So, yes. I mean, it's not like she's shocked, right? Like, she had to know that this is what's well, going on. I mean, I think the surprising thing to me looking at it, which, especially if you think about it in terms of 1920, is the sums of money on oh, there. Yeah, there were, were there was in the six digits, which is probably like the equivalent of like eight digits today yeah. or whatever. So absolutely paid. monstrous sums of money moving around the city. But uh, yeah, the only other note. So like Harding and Van Alden were two of my special notes, which we've already talked about. The third one, like a very funny part of the movie is when Nucky's brother and all his friends were watching porn. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. So weird. Uh, so good. So good. Yeah. Uh, my only other note is, you know, Nucky calls Margaret and tells her to go to his like penthouse and watch over this, this ledger. Mm-hmm. And her kids just immediately fall asleep. Like, new strange house, whatever, asleep within two minutes. That's not realistic. Eh, I don't know. I think my kids fall asleep pretty quick wherever they are. If you took them to the penthouse at the Ritz, also known as the Marlboro Blenheim, they would just be totally fine with it. Probably. <laughs> Interesting. Now we I know. don't know. So you, you and your kids can stay at the Irish pub. Probably. My kids would be fine with staying at the Irish pub. <laughs> uh, all right, so... Maybe I'll try to figure out some better arrangements for episode nine than the very legitimate yes. site that I sent you. I know. I need to buy it on DVD or something now. I don't know. Like I said, I, l- I looked for the DVDs. They were very expensive. So I'm not sure what the next steps are going to be, but we'll, we'll try to keep it going and hopefully not through websites as terrible as the one we watched <laughs> it on. Each season's like seven bucks on eBay. Buy it now. Free shipping. It seems reasonable. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Pre-owned DVDs, not much of a market, I have to say. Like, I think Amazon maybe doesn't let you really even sell pre-owned DVDs anymore. <laughs> That's funny. But anyway, yeah, we'll very good. So thank you guys very much for listening. Sorry for the bit of a delay in the episode, but uh, we will hopefully get back with you in a couple weeks, maybe with some news of casino openings. Maybe. Maybe with news of winners. Winners getting shirts. We'll see. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. We'll talk to you soon. Your chair is very loud. It is quite squeaky. It needs to be situated. Mm, It's awful. I hate it.